Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Straight Up Sabres, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo. As always, I'm Brendan. And I'm Taylor. And Taylor, the move we have all been waiting for has finally, finally happened, and it's all we're going to be talking about on today's episode. The Buffalo Sabres have acquired defenseman Johnny Boychuk from the New York Islanders. Huge move, making waves around the league. Yeah, I consider myself something of a, a chucklehead. Uh, I've been a, I've been a big fan of his for a long time. And I think even though he's not going to play and this is just a salary cap move uh, to guarantee that they'll be above the floor, I think this could uh, cause a major waves in the organization and, and it'll pay dividends for year to, years to come. Absolutely. Already seeing the impact on the Sabres as they, of course, are coming off of a nice little overtime loss to the Detroit Red Wings after being up three to one in that game and allowing them to come back and win. But no, no, folks, <laughs> of course, we are all we are, of course, talking about. Jack Eichel being traded from the Buffalo Sabres late last week, going to the Vegas Golden Knights, Jack Eichel in a third round draft pick being traded for Peyton Krebs, Alex Tuck, a first round pick and a second round pick Taylor initial reaction to this move. I mean, like I said, this is going to be all we're talking about. There's going to be a lot for us to get through with this, but just what were your general thoughts as you had heard the news that the move had finally been made? Well, in terms of um, the micro view, like not zooming out at all, the deal is the kind of deal we kind of expected and wanted. Like if they had made this trade with, you know, someone a lesser prospect than Krebs, it'd be a, a no-go. But I guess at this point, with this having been dragged on as long as it has been and with Eichel still not having the surgery and that not resolving itself at all, uh, I think this is the kind of trade that you would expect. I mean, there was some other factors at play they could have retained salary or maybe there wouldn't you know maybe the 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 pick protection could be a little bit different uh obviously it's top 10 protected to me that doesn't matter i don't think they'll be bottom 10 uh and then you know talk he's a he's an interesting player and i'm actually kind of glad to have an nhl ready guy who's under contract for a while who's still relatively relatively young so from that perspective it's all good so do you agree with that yeah i mean it Let's be real here, just given the time that this happened right now, now being a month into the season, it needed to happen. You know, there are there were talks of a grievance potentially getting filed with the league. Nobody wanted that. And I just think in general, from, you know, the Sabres perspective, from an image side of things, 
this was not making them look good the longer that this was going on. And the longer it was going to continue to go on, it was only going to get uglier. And so they needed to get a move done. And Adams, I think, even though he kind of put himself in this position, because I think that a move should have been made this summer. And I think that not, I think I, I would be curious to know, what was left on the table this summer that prevented him from making a move then as compared to waiting out until now? Like, was there something back then that was better that now he had to settle with this deal? I don't know. But what I will say though, is that in terms of the return itself, you kind of got just about everything that you really wanted out of it. I personally would have liked for them to be able to get Brendan Brisson back. Um, I don't think that that would have been unreasonable just as is just for Eichel straight up in the third, but if it would have meant retaining a million or two of salary, I think I would have done that. But again, that didn't happen. That was really the only complaint I had looking at Vegas. What did we say? Peyton Krebs had to be a part of it. If there was no Krebs, there was no deal to be made and you got Krebs, you got your guy, you get Alex Tuck, which along with being young, 25 years old after the season is under contract for four more years. He's a legitimate top six winger. You know, and let's also be honest, too, even though it shouldn't matter when decisions like this are made and it should it doesn't necessarily matter in this instance, because Tuck is a really good player and I think going to be a nice piece for this team moving forward. Much needed PR as well for them in the positive that you have a guy, you know, that actually goes along with their whole people who want to be here. Um we both know that that's bullshit and that does not have any bearing on them icing a good team. You know, like people are going to want to be here because you're winning games or that you're an organization that fosters, you know, uh, a positive culture um, and you have a good reputation around the league. That's what makes people want to come here. But in reality though, having a guy like talk with the local ties with him growing up a Sabres fan, all the photos of him in Sabres jerseys, you know, him at his introductory press conference, rattling off a bunch of the 0607 guys talking about bringing back the red jerseys and everything. It does make you feel good as a fan. I'm not going to lie. I mean, over the past 10 years, there has not been a lot that we have been able to really feel good about, but having somebody that gives you that like, Oh, this is uh, you know, he's kind of one of us, that kind of thing. You know, not that that should have had any bearing on them making the move, but it is cool and I appreciate it. And I think that having him on board is going to be good because you want to have, you know, all of these young guys feel proud about being a Sabre. I mean, look no further than this dude. Like the Sabres have been garbage for 10 years and this dude comes in and is just glowing with excitement from that. And so I think that that's a real positive for them. Uh, otherwise then you get a first round pick, which, you know, the protection really doesn't matter. It's going to end up being in the twenties anyways, and that's fine. And then you get a second round pick two out of it. So all in all, like I said, I would have liked to have another piece in there to really feel like good about it. But I think Kevin Adams did as well as he could given him the circumstances and he got his guy in Krebs talk is going to be a nice piece. So all in all, I'm, I'm pretty happy. Yeah, so I guess it would be time to zoom out in that case uh, because the guys we talked about at the beginning when Eichel first, uh, not requested a trade, but when it became clear in May that he was going to end up getting traded, we talked about guys like Quentin Byfield or even when we talked about the Rangers trade, um, I think I would kind of scoffed at getting Kako and Lafreniere because, like, whatever. I think those guys suck. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, like, like it, we're talking like big, big guys like that or, like, like Jack Hughes was thrown out there. That was totally a rumor. It was nothing substantial there, I don't think. So that from that perspective, it's a disappointment. But, you know, it's also 
a disappointment that he had to be traded at all. I guess it just it's kind it, it's it's really weird because it really does suck. Uh, in his his time as a saber, it's there's not even a year where they like almost made the playoffs or really even competitive into like March or whatever. They're just like varying degrees of failure. <laughs> it's really tough. Um, he his second year, there's all this momentum going to the season. They signed Oposo. They had improved a lot the year prior. So figure they're going to build on that. And the day before the season opener, he takes a slap shot off the ankle in practice and has to miss the first six weeks. So that season that to me, that I've really haven't felt good for more than a couple weeks at any point about being a Sabres fan since then. Uh, But his, his third season was a total disaster. He got hurt during that season as well. Missed like 15 to 20 games. And then his fourth season was pretty good. That's the season I kind of remember the least. Not, uh, I mean, he was good. He's, he is who he is. That's the year they had the 10 game win streak, but he continued to score when no one else did in his fifth season. He was incredible. Gets cut off by COVID. And then he played like 20 more games as a saver ever. So got to consider that something of a failure. That's yeah. It's, uh, it's tragic, man. And well, now I think the thing that, Oh, go ahead. Sorry. At the same time, the guy drafted out of him and we didn't, it wasn't realistic to expect Eichel to be this good, but like, look at McDavid now. Look what he's doing. Michael hasn't had that chance and he will not have that chance as a saber. No, I honestly, before we get back to it, like <laughs> that one on four McDavid goal against the Rangers the other night, like this dude is we, like, comparatively speaking, we're watching like prime LeBron right now. Like it, this is like just a person who is at the absolute peak of their sport. And there is nobody who even comes close. Like McKinnon, I know is amazing. And I know that there's a lot of really, really talented guys in the league right now. Like the, the high-end guys in the league are extremely high-end, but nobody, nobody touches McDavid. And it really makes you wonder if a, a ball could have been drawn differently where we would be right now if we had that first pick that year instead of Jack. But, you know, obviously there's nothing we can do to change that. The one thing I did want to bring up that I think is – kind of really unfortunate about this that's that's sunk in is you know we really before jack came along it was a while before we had a player of that caliber who was just that just purely that good just elite taking over games level good just single-handedly and the reason being is that just in general in the league not even just the sabers but those players are extremely hard to come by a guy who can literally just take over a game and be an, an, a, a game breaker for you. And now we don't know when we're going to have that again. I mean, we may get lucky and maybe we could be looking, you know, this time next year, we're not going to have to worry about it as much because we'll have Shane Wright or two years from now, if we have Connor Bedard or Mishkov and, you know, if we end up getting one of the top two picks next year, but those are big ifs, you know, even if you were to come in last place this year, you're only looking at 20% chance of getting Shane Wright, And, you know, while if they finish dead last next year, which I don't know how likely that'll be, but again, who knows, just given the past 10 years, um, you know, you're looking a lot better having to just be in the top two there, but even still, it's not a guarantee. So we really are entering into a period now where we don't know when at all we're going to have that kind of guy. Like we could get lucky and it could be sooner than we think, but at the same time, if it doesn't work out in those next two drafts, who knows how long it's going to be before we have somebody of Eichel's caliber. And so, 
you know, you don't necessarily, I, I think as some teams have shown, you don't necessarily need to have that like number one takeover guy that can make up for deficiencies on the rest of your team. Like you could have a well-rounded roster and be able to make a run and be a Stanley cup contender 100%. But more often than not, you need that guy on your team, that one player that's going to be able to just take over that you can look to and in that spot, you know, I don't know if that's, I think in a absolute best case scenario, we can hope and, and pray that Peyton Krebs potentially has that ability. Um, but again, that's a big if, and I don't know. I mean, you know, I think that there's a big difference, a big difference, you know, as you look across the league at these guys, you know, there's, there's guys of the caliber of like a Jack Eichel. And then there's players that are a little different, like a, you know, you could say like a Mark Shifley, for example, for these centers, or like even a Matt Barzell and Barzell is probably on the lower end of the spectrum when it comes to these like elite high-end guys too. And there's nobody in the system right now that we can confidently look at and say, this guy is going to be that for us. Not Dylan Cousins, not Peyton Krebs, you know, definitely not Rasmus Dahlin. The book is, you know, the jury's out on Owen Power, but it's different when we're talking about defensemen in general. But like, at least among the forward corps, we don't know. And that could be a hole that a couple of years from now, when they're really looking to start to be competitive again, it's, you know, obviously this mood have to, it had to be made, no getting around it. It was inevitable, but we could be asking ourselves a lot of the same questions of how we get this guy in a similar way to how we were in, you know, like the 2012, 13, 14 era. Yeah, it's, this is a very unfortunate, uh, I, <laughs> yeah, I, so Jack, like a couple of times in off seasons, I think it was. One was after his second year, I think. And then like leading up to hockey coming back this past January, like go look at YouTube compilations of like Eichel goals and cool Eichel plays. And usually the only saber uh, of late you could do that for <laughs> of like the last 10 plus years, even guys we liked like Reinhardt and O'Reilly, you couldn't do that for them really. And he really like was a guy that like, if he's on the ice, I got like kind of excited. Like, Oh, cool. Jack's there. The edge of the it's seat. like the, the Poochie thing in the Simpsons. Like, when Poochie's not on the screen, uh, you should be asking, uh, where is Jack Eichel? Like, that was obviously the case the past couple of years where, like, it didn't feel like anyone could score if he wasn't on the ice. But that's it's an incredible uh, guy to be able to watch. I was just, uh, let's say, a few beers deep yesterday watching uh, old prime Derrick Rose on the Bulls highlights. It's like another similar guy like that. Like you were probably in your prime. You were probably feeling great watching those or really sad. Actually. I don't know. I was actually feeling pretty good. Oh, good. Okay. <laughs> you know, they say smile because it happened. It was a long time ago. Uh, but yeah, the Eichel stuff. I mean, at least they went to the goddamn conference finals, the bulls. <laughs> True. We, we have nothing from the cycle era. It's bizarre. And like, you could say he's in the short list of most talented forwards to ever play for the team, you know, with LaFontaine, McGillney, Perot, Andrew Chuck, and Howard Chuck. hundred percent. And I guess Terjean as well. Um, but yeah, there's just really not that much to look at like a 10 game winning streak in November, a, an eight, one and one start. That's not even that great of a start. Can like, I say there's like four teams that are this, that good this year? Well, right. And can I say too, you know, I mean, just you giving that whole kind of recap of just how, his career has been characterized by hardship, loss, mishaps, you know, for a guy who has played such an important role to this franchise. 
and undeniably, you know, we know his talent and he really was probably, you know, I know we romanticize 05 to 07 a lot, but like, you know, when we're talking about that, getting out of your seat feeling like that's how I felt when I would watch like Danny Briere skate up through the ice with the puck. Like you have yeah. Danny Briere, like bursting through the neutral zone with the puck. Every single person in HSBC arena was leaning up to get off of their seat, you know, where you're just slowly creeping up if Briere had it because you knew something special was going to happen. And Jack did the, it had that exact same quality two completely different types of player and two completely different types of attack to, you know, the game and I guess really just their general scoring prowess. But all that aside though, I don't really feel sad, I guess, about this at all. And, and that's something that I've kind of been trying to gauge a little bit with where the fans are at and where people in general are at. And I feel like a lot of people are just kind of numb, I guess. I don't know. I, I, I don't, I guess the losing certainly contributes to it a lot but i i really you know even watching that like tribute video that jack eichel posted over the weekend like there was some nice moments in there and you know some pretty spectacular times that or games that i've been to able to witness and like saw in that video that was like oh wow that was pretty cool to see live but like i i don't feel connected to that like it, it, I guess I, there wasn't like a whole lot of like heartache with this, you know, I'm just so happy that it's over with and that we're done talking about it, you know, whereas with O'Reilly, like it was a bit of a shock in a way, like we kind of knew it was coming, but like just the general deal itself. And then the return was less than spectacular, even though maybe some of us were a little bit higher on Tage at the time, but you know, with this, like, I, I don't know. I'm just not that, upset or sad in the way that I have been with other mishaps throughout Sabres history. What do you think? Are you, how do you feel? Like, what did you in any way? Like, I mean, I'm assuming you're probably feeling similar, right? Like there's no like emotional attachment here with him. No, it's which is a key part of being a sports fan. Yeah. It's weird. Cause like I said, he, he was the main draw uh, for watching games the past six years to me. And, you know, like I said, he's the only guy that, you could really put together a compelling like YouTube compilation of he's really an incredible guy, uh, player, you know, like with the puck on his stick, he was unbelievable. Even like almost as soon as he got in the NHL, like his like second goal as a saber was unbelievable. Uh, but yeah, like it just didn't matter because like, even like his, so his rookie year or whatever, no one expected them to really do much, but then they, they did kind of have a slow start and had a good second half. But yeah, so like you knew because of how they played in October and November that they did, the playoffs weren't even a conversation. His second year, terrible start, awful, dreadful start. And the, the playoffs were like kind of a conversation, but like they were never really, I would say if I had to guess their playoff odds were never more than 10% at any point in the season after the first week. Definitely. Uh, and then the third season was a, a shit show wire to wire. They were last place overall. And then even the year when they, they had the 10 game win streak, it felt impossible that they wouldn't make the playoffs. And by like February, it was like, Oh, they don't have a shot in hell at the playoffs. And when then the next the year, year they were in first they, I think they were still, if not in first place, top three, still at January 1st, like that is embarrassing beyond any kind of explanation. Yeah. If I recall, they had a terrible six weeks somewhere between like, mid-December to it was the bye right wasn't it the bye week wait which one are you talking about you're talking about 1819 or right isn't that when the bye week like hit in January and it just oh no that was the following year wasn't it where just like the after the I'm 
was- I'm talking about the bye week would have been the 16, 17 season. Like when they were really close to the playoffs, they're artificially close to the playoffs in 16, 17. I'm and they getting, got blown out by the Blackhawks. Yeah, yeah. And then the bye happened. I'm getting uh, confused with myself. My bad. Yeah, no. Back to the 10 game win streak, though. No, I, but still in the 10 game win streak, though, that year, by late December, early January, they were firmly like they only had to go 500 the west the rest of the way for them to be like pretty solidly in the playoff conversation and it, it only took them until february to like you said like that's oh my god <laughs> yeah it was not good yeah and then the eight one and one season the bottom fell out almost immediately and it was it was kind of a rolling disaster uh until we we got to the point where covid mercifully put an end to that so like and like last year they were four four and two the covid outbreak happens and before you know it, they're like six and 28 or something like that. And it's, that's just, there's just been so little time or like something, not even that they were good, that it just wasn't a disaster. Like in some ways, the McDavid era has been a failure in Edmonton. And we just talked about him, obviously like, yeah, they made the playoffs. They made the second round one time. They've definitely had two bad first round losses the past two years, but like, that's, still something to show for it. <laughs> exactly. That's like the early 90s Sabres, late 80s, early 90s Sabres. We talk about what our with our good friend Doug Bodger. They lost in the first round every year, <laughs> like six years in a row before they finally broke through and uh, beat the Bruins. And then in 94, guess what they did? They lost in the first round. In 95, they lost in the first round. But like those teams, like they were making the playoffs. There was some hope going in that they could uh, not lose in the first round this time they could walk into a season and be like, yeah, you know what? This team's pretty good. And when you make the playoffs, as we've seen the past two years, you can make the cup. It's a, yep. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a very just incredibly remarkably disappointing what's happened in the Eichel era, but you know, what's not disappointing. In fact, you know, what's never disappointing. Tell me DraftKings. Oh, baby. Folks, the NHL season is underway, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has an unbelievable offer to celebrate the greatest sport on ice. New customers can bet just $1 in any NHL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. It doesn't matter if it's a one-time clapper or a deft deflection. However they light the lamp, you win. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long on DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN, throw $1 onto any NHL game, and win 100 free bets if either team scores a goal. This week, one puck in the net nets you a big win with promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only, new customers only, minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required, one per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. You got to give the people what they want, Taylor. Hmm. <laughs> uh, if you win, that would be uh, winner, winner, chicken dinner. There we uh, go. According to the previous promo that we no longer use. That's what we needed to hear. That's all. I so, actually, I reached out to DraftKings myself and asked them to stop using that promo. Did you really? Yeah, because I was sick of saying that. Wow. Well, I'm going to ask you to say it every single episode the rest of the season. I I'll promise. work it. I can work my way uh, 
it. I can work it in at some point. Just say it at any point in the episode. It doesn't even need to be in the ad. Yeah, well, if the Sabres would win another game, I could uh, potentially do that at some point. There we go. Yeah. Now, why so we, why don't we talk about the return a little bit more? Because we really haven't gotten into that much other than some surface level comments here. You know, coming back yes. on this deal, obviously we have the picks involved along with probably more importantly, Peyton Krebs and Alex Tuck. So can you just, Taylor, go through, I mean, just each of those guys, tell me, I guess, kind of where you're at with them, what your expectations are and your outlook for the future. Okay, well, Peyton Krebs, so first round pick a couple of years ago, I believe this is his draft plus three year. Uh, I'm, I, uh, the Sabres put him in Rochester and I kind of wonder how soon we'll see him. I mean, obviously something has to happen to have to have, uh, some reason to bring him up, which means an injury or something like that. But, uh, I am interested in him coming up. Like, obviously he wasn't really good enough to play for the golden Knights this year, play much. I mean, to get consistently in the lineup, even with their injuries, you know, he's young and, and he, he basically blew up the past couple of years in the WHL. He was like almost two, two point a game player last year, but when it comes to the NHL, it seems like he would slot in at his, his, what you're looking for out of him is to be a second line center. So I'm intrigued to see where that goes, but you have to know with someone like him, there's really no guarantees. Uh, It's not, he's not a, a slam dunk guaranteed to be that, but it's intriguing to see where that goes. Tuck. I love it. Underrated player. Teams need guys like him. He's on a good contract for a long time. He's in his prime. I believe he's 25. So he, I think he's here for four and a half seasons or four years after this year. Okay. So yeah, basically the same time Michael would have been here. He's coming back from injury. And I believe he's one of the many guys who uh, was just basically given to the golden Knights. And I'm trying to remember, was he a wild? And he was there because the wild are trying to protect someone. They're like, Hey, take this guy. We'll give you this guy. If you don't take. Yes. X was it Matthew yeah. Dumba. I think they, you might be right. Yeah. So anyway, he's a saver now. And like Brandon mentioned before, he's from Syracuse, which is cool. He grew up next to Tim Connolly. Also very cool. Yeah. And he's, he's someone I'm very excited to see when he comes back in January, <laughs> might be the Sabres like second or third best forward. Um, and he's then the captain too. <laughs> That's a good point. And, and then obviously after that, you have the, uh, the picks. So second round pick in 2023, that's good. Cause you know, they've actually been kind of hitting on second round picks. Well, or I shouldn't say, I shouldn't say hitting on, they've been uh, not completely flopping in the second round of late. Well said. Yeah. And the first round pick. Uh, so this is That's interesting. It's cause it's top 10 protected. Do you think that'll be a factor at all? Not at all. I don't think that there's any chance that that's going to come into play. I think Vegas is a shoe in to make the playoffs this year. And that pretty much will take any question about that out of consideration. What I do wonder though, is more likely than not, both of their picks are going to end up being in the, like safely being in like the 17 to like mid 20 range because you're also looking at Florida, who I think is undoubtedly a contender and is maybe the best team in the Eastern Conference. So is there a possibility where you're successfully able to do next year's draft? What you tried to do this year is where you package some stuff and you're able to move up and get a second top 10 pick. I think that we're starting to see more and more. The wheels are falling off and are going to continue to. I mean, granted, they should have won in Detroit last, or they should have beat Detroit last night, but this is a bottom five team and they're going to end up picking in the top 10 with their own pick. 
are they going to be able to maybe use two of those picks and, and try and move up if there's a possibility of getting back into the top 10 to get another high end guy? Um, I don't know. I mean, it all depends. I think that more than anything else, I'm just happy that they're going to have the additional assets. And I think that with these next couple of drafts, 2023 more than 2022, but still 2022 seeming like it's going to be a pretty solid draft and pretty deep. Um, it makes me feel good about the fact at least that we're going to have three, three darts to throw, you know, in the first round here. And especially with those later picks, they're unpredictable, but the management group that they have right now, I feel extremely confident in. It seems like their scouting staff has been completely revamped. It seems like they, more importantly than the people that they're hiring, their philosophy for who, how they're going about drafting guys in the later rounds has seemed to change and is more in line with how teams are finding success and how guys are finding, you know, players who are ready to play in the NHL, you know, when they're taking the second, third, fourth round, more like the second or third round, you know, they're ready to go in, in, in two, three years, you know, it seems like they're trying to aim for these higher ceiling guys who have scoring touch, who are highly skilled and they're gravitating away from these lower floor players. And so if that's what you're using these picks on, then good, you got to keep accumulating them. And then you hope that, you know, it, it, it's a rarity, obviously, but like really good guys get taken in the middle parts and at the end of the first round. I mean, we already mentioned a couple of them, like Barzell, he was in the middle of the first round. Pasternak was a late first round pick. Um, you know, it goes on and on. I don't need to go through and give a, a list of all the guys who get taken in like the teens and the, in the twenties. But even if you look back at the past five years, there are some really good guys. And even more recently, I mean, like, pretty solid guys who were in the league a year after being drafted. So it's good, I guess. I mean, we'll see what happens. I'm just curious if they're going to try and weaponize those picks and, and, you know, to maybe get like a higher end asset, or if they're just going to stay put and, and just accumulate more, more, uh, more darts to throw. And hopefully that they'll hope they'll pan out. Yeah. Hopefully they don't uh, trade four of the top 31 picks three. Oh, sorry. Three of the top 31 picks when they have four of them. Um, yeah, but uh, so they going forward, I guess we'll be looking at, you know, I guess cheering against the Knights and Panthers for whatever that's worth for the rest of the year. Like it's, I guess, something to look forward to. I'm I think cheering interesting for thing. Sam Reinhardt. I'm not exactly ecstatic to cheer for Jack Eichel. I don't know. I like, oh, I meant, I meant for the, um, the pick placement. Oh yeah. Obviously. Yeah. I don't, I don't not want to see Sam succeed obviously. And I don't even really mind Florida. And actually, I think cheering against them is kind of useless at this point. I think they're they're pretty destined to have a great year uh, with or without Quenville. Well, without, they won't yeah. have them. Uh, unless some weird goaltending chicanery takes place with Knight and Bavrovsky. But Vegas is interesting now because Eichel won't play for them until at the very least late March. And Mark Stone has some kind of like mystery injury. And no one has any idea when he's going to play again. And William Carlson has a broken foot and who else has a broken foot? They have a second player that has, on the team that has a broken foot. Do they really? Yes. <laughs> two, two uh, hobbled men. Um, so that's an interesting thing because if, and when Mark Stone and Eichel are both healthy and in the lineup, they're going to need to do something salary cap wise. <laughs> like they will not be able to just go They're $10 million over the cap right now. And folks, you can't do that to the playoffs. So either you have to stick Mark Stone and LTIR until until the playoffs start, and then also dump 
one of your other cheaper guys. Uh, so you could do that. Or keep both of them. Yeah, you can't. I don't know if you can really do that. Yeah, I don't know. So, or you already have to dump two $5 million sailors. You have to dump like Riley Smith and I don't know, someone else on the team that makes around $5 million. Why don't Vegas just give us Jonathan Marsh a show too? Why didn't they do that in the trade? We'll take March or so. Well, why did they just give us Riley Smith? He's an expiring contract. I don't know. It would have made sense to. I really don't get that. You know, like. Oh, Petri Reddy also has a broken foot. Pat, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, no, I don't know, man. I, like I said, I, I, I'm fine with the trade as it is. I, I Krebs was the main thing. Tuck was going to be really good too. And you knew you were going to get a first out of it. You got the pieces you wanted. Anything else would have been, I guess, a luxury, but I do think one more piece just would have made me feel a lot better about the deal. Yeah. It shouldn't make that much of a difference, but it still is for me. But either way, now, it is what it is. Do you think the Kachuk deal that we discussed last week, do you think that was real? <sighs> a real offer? Because <laughs> I don't think it was, if I'm being I, honest now. So I think I had said this to you. My theory on this is... Kevin Weeks got that from the Sabres. I think that it is, but well, no, I shouldn't say that. It's been suggested that there's a possibility given how mm-hmm. Eichel had already done a video interview with Friedman and how quickly that had come together. And he had all these interviews lined up. I mean, granted that all happens quickly on the day of a trade regardless, but the video side of it, like, was there a possibility that Eichel was going to go nuclear and he was going to air all the dirty laundry? And some of his comments throughout a couple of his interviews had suggested that that possibility was coming soon where he was asked like, if this would have gone on further and he kind of gave a little bit of like an ominous answer. And so part of me does wonder that. So what I'm wondering is if, you know, we heard reports also that Kevin Adams is facing external pressure, whether that's the league and Gary Bettman saying, hey, we cannot have a grievance filed, whether that's USA Hockey potentially saying, we need this guy, figure this out right now. We don't know. But oh, I, we, they're not going to have him regardless. No, there's a possibility. It's not ruled out yet. Really? It is not ruled out yet. If he ends up getting the surgery and it's like the there's ways that they could potentially accelerate it if his body takes to, to it, that he would be able to like make his debut at the Olympics. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, that has not been ruled out yet. So he, it is literally like all of the stars need to align for that to happen because he wouldn't even be allowed to technically start skating until three months after getting the surgery. And the timing for that would be just about exactly three months would be the Olympics. That, you know, skating is different from skating with contact. So he would need to have some enhanced treatment too on top of that that would have to help him get there. It is a big if, but it's an if nonetheless. Like it is a possibility still. Um, what were we just talking about uh, before that? I, the I Kachuk deal? Oh yeah, so, the, so yes. So going back to that now though, you have the external pressure there. Part of me wonders, does Kevin Adams put that out there to Kevin Weeks publicly have Kevin Weeks put it out there to try and raise the temperature with Vegas a little bit to make it seem like there's more of a bidding war going on. I don't know. That's probably not Kevin Adams directly. What's that? Probably not him directly, not him directly, but like, does that happen though? Where I'm, I'm saying the Sabres organization, I should say, yeah, somebody feeds that to Kevin Weeks. He puts that out there to try and get Vegas to flinch just to get uh, maybe another piece to put it over the top, just to get the deal done. 
I don't know. Maybe. I mean, this whole situation has been extremely weird. And while I'm not trying to go all conspiracy theorists or anything like that, it's hard to rule anything out given how weird this entire situation has been from start to finish. So I don't know. I don't know necessarily if it was, I don't know if it was real or not, but part of me does think that maybe it was not as legit. Maybe Kevin Adams did ask about Matthew Kachuk. I think that was reported that the Sabres did ask and Calgary said no, but I think it was nothing more than maybe a move to try and get Vegas to flinch and maybe up the offer a little bit more and whether that worked or not remains to be seen, but I'm pretty sure in Friedman's 32 thoughts pod, he had mentioned that Kelly McCrimmon is not the best GM to deal with and that he kind of has a reputation for trying to rip teams off. And so who knows, maybe it's a last minute desperation play by Adams. And if it's the case, I mean, can't get mad about that. It made waves. Everybody knew about it to the point that they were asking to chuck about it the next day at practice. So who knows? I don't know. What do you think? I can't, I can't imagine it was real. No. That, that they were offered Kachuk and they were like, no, we want this Peyton Krebs deal instead. Like Kachuk is, he's uh he's captain material. I mean, he's an RFA. Like we said, we talked about his whole deal last week, but like, he's looking at, he's a guy that, like I said earlier with Peyton Krebs, I said, you don't know if he's going to be a guy or not. You know, Matthew Kachuk is a guy in the NHL. You know, he could be. Uh, a top six guy oh, yeah. team people like him as a leader that kind of Play driving number one left winger but there's some kind of a uh, rumor uh, going around there that uh he and his brother would like to end up in st louis together is that so yeah i mean i know they grew up there maybe they get uh, david Perron for the fourth time plays to play well, they all play together he's, he's still, still there. there but no but but in a few years and brady kachuk is uh a free agent he won't you know he may not be there anymore that's true maybe he'll go to seattle and then come back mm. since he went to vegas and came back true where did he go did he go from edmonton. st louis to edmonton to st louis to vegas to st louis yep yeah I mean, might have been someone else in between there too potentially oh pittsburgh people. yeah yeah that's right yeah pittsburgh wow crazy stuff any last thoughts to share on the trade taylor well, I guess my overall thought, we started uh, doing the micro view of this, talking about, you know, from the last few weeks perspective, how this is the kind of deal they should want it, should have wanted to get. Uh, so zooming out to the macro view, uh, I guess just to put a bow on it, you probably know how I feel about this, but of course it's a failure. You had to trade him. You mm-hmm. traded him. He's, he's 25 years old. Uh, after everything you went through to get him and the fact that he kind of lived up to his billing when he was on the ice and everything you went through after you got him. Exactly. There's no way to look at it any other way, but a failure And the, the Sabres as a, as a franchise, I mean, looking at this right now, like people are excited about this, this start. I mean, they're probably not as excited as they were two weeks ago, but they're five, four and two and they're five, four and two having gotten uh better goaltending than they're going to get all year. They, they will almost assuredly be under 500, maybe even by the end of the week. And they are playing in front of 5,000 fans. Some of these, I play, they played Detroit last night. I was downtown. You couldn't tell there was a Sabres game, except that you saw a few people in Red Wings jerseys. Oh, there's barely anyone out. Right. It's, they're playing in front of no fans. They, their best player is what? Jeff Skinner? Is that their best yeah, player? Baby. Yeah, baby. They, I mean, like I said, I haven't hated this start, but like, yeah, this, 
until further notice, they're a failure. And that, that doesn't matter how well Paterka and Quinn do this year, does, in Rochester, that is. doesn't matter how Krebs looks in Rochester. doesn't matter how good Devin Levi looks, even though he's looked very good, obviously. doesn't matter, uh, really, uh, that they have, like, what, six picks in the first two rounds of the next two drafts? Yeah. I don't know that matters until we see it on the ice. There's been a lot of cool lists laid out that include the picks and the prospects the Sabres have right now from Rosine, Proltopov, uh, Quinn, Paterka, all these guys. Power. That's great. They also had a million prospects in 2014. And you can see, even with uh, a, a, an ace in the pocket like Jack Eichel, it can all go to shit pretty easily. And Eat Arby's. Yeah, well, I not even that, but I just don't believe they'll ever even be a playoff team until I see it. That's fair. That's fair. Well, let me ask you this then to wrap things up. If I were to tell you at the start of all of this, really, you know, on the last day of last season that at, you know, November 8th, that out the door would have been Jack Eichel, Sam Reinhart, Rasmus Ristolainen in a third round pick. And in from that hall of those three guys that we knew were going to be gone, we would get Peyton Krebs, Alex Tuck, Devin Levi, Isaac Rosen, Robert Hag, two first round picks and two second round picks. Would you be happy knowing that? Obviously context not included, but like as a just general thing, how would you have felt about that? Unhappy that they traded Eichel and Reinhardt. Yeah. But now that I knew they, if you would have asked me not a year ago, but six months ago, I would say pretty good. No, that's what I'm saying at the end of like last season, I'm saying. Oh, I I thought you said like a year ago at this time. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm sorry. My fault. I meant at the end of last season, like, well, not good, but not bad. You know, knowing that all of these guys were going to be on the way out. I'm saying like when we knew in May, like this is it, like there's, it's not, they're not coming back. I would say, who is Robert Hag? Touche, <laughs> touche. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's undeniable that they ended up getting some good pieces from these deals. And I don't think that, I mean, the Eichel deal, like you said, like it's a failure in general, but I don't think any of them are like sky is falling failures in the way the, that the O'Reilly deal was. Would you agree with that at least? Oh yeah. I mean, the Eichel deal, it was what it was. And if, if Krebs really does end up being a solid second liner and if they can get an NHL player with one of those picks, then it's like, you know, it's a failure, but a difficult situation with his neck injury. Yeah. It's extenuating circumstances. The Reinhardt deal didn't love it. Didn't love that it had to happen because it didn't have to happen, Jason, but first round pick from Florida and Levi. Yeah. And, you know, the Risto trade. <laughs> the fleecing of a century. Yeah, I don't even care if Isaac Rosine makes the NHL. Risto honestly might walk to free agency. Like, oh, yeah. I don't know if Philly re-signs him. He's, you know what, I came around to this, I think, probably like, the, like some people before they even allow him to. I mean, who knows? Maybe, but like when Tyler Myers got traded, I think Tyler Myers is in that defenseman zone where you can just kind of convince yourself he's good. Yeah. Unless you're an honest person that watches and be on your team, <laughs> which unfortunately now three fan bases have had to deal with giving that guy a, a huge contract. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like, yeah, like 
you can convince yourself like, oh, Winnipeg's not resigning him. He's a free agent. This is interesting. He should get a seven-year deal from us here in Vancouver and Jim Penning. <laughs> and then Vancouver fans immediately hate him. But Risto's just not going to get that deal at all. Like he's going to sign like a one-year, two million dollar deal in the offseason. Right. I bet. Risto I don't know what's going on with him. I think he's got like his his brain has gotten worse even. I think that Risto is going to end up doing like a Zach Bogosian thing where he's going to go into a good team and have a partner that's going to be able to actually drag his ass around, unlike him having to do the dragging because he's just incapable of that. And maybe he goes somewhere good and actually gets like third pair minutes and becomes somewhat serviceable, I guess. I mean, he's what, 26? Yeah. We know what he is. It's not like he's going to get better at all. And I think more likely he gets worse than he shows any improvement. But if he's going to go to like some stud team, take a pay cut and play third pair minutes and rehab himself a little bit and just allows himself to keep getting contracts, then... I mean, good for him, but I don't really foresee him ever amounting to anything. Yeah, apparently he turned 27, but here's a question. Does he end up playing 1,000 NHL games? Not all the realm of possibility. 500 now? 550. Yes. He only needs 450 more games. I I mean, I think at the very least he'll get close. I think he does. Hmm. Big physical defenseman who can, like, skate a little bit. Yeah, what else can he do? He was really good at cross-checking people after the play's over. <laughs> it's true. Or it's not cross-checking team. people after the play's over, too. <laughs> true. He can do either. He's versatile in that way. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, I guess more than anything else, I'm just kind of glad that this is all over now. We can at least like move on, and it's not like we have to worry about it. I mean, I think it's going to sting a little bit once Eichel starts playing for Vegas, and we have to deal with that. Like that part of it's going to suck, but at the very least, it's like the cloud is gone. You know, he had even said too that there was a possibility. Like he told management that if they would have let him get the surgery, that he would have came back and played obviously that was meaningless because they were never going to let him get the surgery. But also I think that even goes to show too, that the organization was probably like, yeah, we don't really want you around the young guys at all or the team in general, like stay away, please. Yeah. Well, people are passing that quote around. Like, well, I think at first it was obviously taken a little bit out of context, but like, look, it mattered. He's like, I'll, I'll play and get my value up if you let me get the surgery. So then you could trade me for something better. It's like, yeah, but the whole reason this trade is happening because they're not—they don't want you to get the surgery. They're not. You know, it, it, I mean, I don't want to get into that. Too yeah. So what? It doesn't really matter. It doesn't really change anything. Right. Yeah, there was there was a handful of interesting quotes from his press conference or his interviews, I should say, that were a little weird. I mean, I guess I appreciated that he didn't make things uglier than they already were, and he was somewhat appreciative, I guess, and said some nice things about like the organization and the fans and stuff like that. But I don't know. I I, I gotta be honest. He's just not likable to me. And that's not yeah. me being like petty or like saying things after the fact, but it's like, I don't know. He just, uh, back when he was named captain, <clears throat> I fully admit I was wrong and you know, it should have been O'Reilly. I thought that it should have been Michael at the time, but clearly that was a mistake. And I don't know. He's just never really been that likable. I mean, he's an insanely talented player and that kind of makes you like him because it's just like, wow, this guy is spectacular. Like, of course. Yeah. We like white, like we love to watch him. So like, yeah, but like him as just like a person, um, 
I don't know. I just, it, not to sound, you know, old school hockey guy, like, oh, he's a bad leader or whatever, but just, I, he just never really uh, flattered me as a person, I guess. I don't know. And his interviews sense. did not make me feel, like I said, any kind of like sadness really or anything like that, like towards him, the player, or like the person, I should say. Right. I don't know. Maybe I'm just bitter. Well, maybe we all are these days. Maybe you're right. Weather's changing. It's getting dark out at like three o'clock now. Ugh. Gross. Yeah. Well, should we should we sign off here, Taylor? Is this where we say goodbye? Yeah. Well, who who's your random Sabres former Sabres player of the week? My random former Sabres player of the week is Jack Eichel. Me too. Wow. Let's do somebody we actually like next episode. all right everybody thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of straight up sabers presented by the hockey podcast network and the charging buffalo make sure you're checking out both of the presenters of this podcast on the respective websites as well as the streaming platform of your choice wherever you're listening to us as both of the presenters of this show are putting out great content every single day Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo. Make sure you are checking them out and following them on social media. Make sure you're following us on social media as well. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Straight Up Sabres and on Twitter at Straight Sabres. And make sure you are also checking out DraftKings and using our promo code THPN at checkout to take advantage of great deals. We will be back with a brand new episode on Thursday, everybody. Thank you all so much for tuning in. We'll talk to you again soon. Have a great start to your week.